0: For the last 20 years I have practiced creation spirituality and I've found it to completely change my life for the better. And I've done many tutorials on this podcast about various aspects of creation spirituality. Now as we're going into season 4 of Wisdom's Cry, I would like to do what will probably be the last for a little bit deep of my deep dives into what creation spirituality is, starting with understanding it as an applied spirituality and going even deeper into the six essentials of creation spirituality. And then kind of talking more about what applied spirituality is. So let's get that started on this episode of Wisdom's Cry. To see with eyes unclouded by hate. Does not wisdom cry and understanding put forth her voice? Hello, everyone. My name is Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset. And today, we're going to kind of break apart this idea of creation spirituality as applied spirituality as we begin our last series of in-depth kind of tutorials into what creation spirituality is. And then things are going to get a bit wild. So when I say applied spirituality, what do I mean? Well, another way of saying that is embodied spirituality. Now, there are quite a few definitions of that. Some are quite literal, that creation spirituality encourages people to play musical instruments, to sing, to dance, to create works of art as a manifestation of their spirituality and their spiritual practice. That is a valid and interesting way to look at it. I have taken up psycho-spiritual journaling, and it has really changed my life for the better. But to me, a different way of looking at this is that applied spirituality is when we move our spirituality out of mere speculation and philosophizing and make it something we actually do. Since the uh, Enlightenment, I don't like using that term because I think it uh, really oversells what happens and undersells it at the same time. But during the Enlightenment, we demystified the world. We came up with this idea that everything was mechanistic and did our best to desacralize and despiritualize everything. Everything had to be demystified. And in some respects, that's important. Demystifying disease helps us cure disease. So definitely, definitely do that. But as far as some of the more internal workings of our lives, it has had a detrimental effect on us. Our emotional states, our Passage through life, our experience with the various cognitive energies that flow through us, that has been hampered. And while modern psychology has arisen and through cognitive behavioral therapy and other techniques like that have started rediscovering this idea that practice helps as much as pharmaceuticals, and sometimes instead of pharmaceuticals, though. So, I am not advocating that anyone who is on any kind of medicine for a psychiatric condition should ever stop doing it without consulting their physician first. I would never, ever recommend that. Many of the essential woes that face us come from a lack of spirituality. They do. We are disconnected, and that disconnection creates a lot of anxiety. That anxiety creates worry and stress. That worry and stress leads to depression and other sensations. Now, that is not the exclusive path to there, and there are biochemical pathways as well, and those do need to be treated by medicine. So I want to make sure that I'm not lumped in with those people that are, you know, psychiatry deniers. I am not. Psychiatry has its place and it's very important. But one of the reasons we see this explosion of anxiety disorders is that we have disconnected from each other, from the world, and from our spiritual existence. Now, I'm not going to say it's a physical manifestation of the lack of godliness in the world because oh, that reeks of fall redemption crap, and I'm definitely not going there. But when you feel and are taught and you believe that you are alone, that you are isolated, that you are a separate self, and that only you are responsible for everything that happens in your life, it is inevitable that those beliefs will create stress and anxiety within you. What I'm talking about here with an applied spirituality is that you learn to test all things and hold to that, which is true. You actually start testing out these ideas. So when I tell you that in fact, there is no separate self, that you are not the same person from moment to moment, and that your existence relies on a myriad of other factors that all feed into making you, you. Well, for me at least, it helps me to feel connected and part of something greater. And through experience and through meditation, I have come to see that as an essential truth of reality. We are all interconnected. And that basic interconnectedness forms the basis of who we are, not only as people or as a culture, but as life itself. without the plants, and bacteria, and fungi, and even bacteria that go into producing and digesting our food, then we do not exist. It's important for us to start seeing even ourselves as communities, because even though I may appear to be an individual talking to you, if it were not for the myriad of bacteria and yeasts, and fungi in my digestive tract, I would not be able to digest my food to the best of my ability. I would start suffering from various ailments and, you know, eventually get sick and die. We are communities, each and every one of us, and that grows more and more As we look out, I am connected to the farmer that grew the vegetables that make my food. I'm connected to the farmers that both made the food stock and raised the livestock of the animals that I consume. Not to mention all the countless hands that went into making everything. This is the first state. This is the first kind of prerequisite of understanding what applied spirituality is. You have to understand that you are not alone. You are not a separate self. And then you begin to learn to actively see, to the best of your ability, the threads of interconnectedness between you and others. This helps a lot in that it dissolves that barrier that we put up that makes us believe that we are alone. But more than that, it helps us to rediscover our identity as humans, our identity as people, that we are not only connected, but we rely on others. And as such, we need to speak out with justice and compassion as our guiding stars so that everyone in the world benefits. Because what happens to one person does really affect me even if those injustices are not done to me directly. And as we begin to see that, our, con- our connected spirit begins to enliven us and remove some of the worry, anxiety, and doubt. The more we help, the more we speak out, the more we at least educate ourselves on those subtle interconnections between us and us, and the wider world, the less we will suffer from the illusion of separation, from the illusion of isolation. And it will help us defeat one of the great lies in the United States that people can lift themselves up by their own bootstraps or that they can be an island alone unto themselves. Those are lies. In fact, the phrase to lift, somebody, lift yourself up from your bootstraps was meant as a a uh, nonsensical non sequitur that proved its insanity in its own statement. If you don't believe me, put on some boots and then try to lift yourself off the ground. That's the whole idea of pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps. You can't do it. No matter how hard you pull on your feet, you will stay on the ground. You might topple over, you might fall, but you're not going to fly up into the air. That's actually the original purpose of that sentence, and the fact that it's now being used to say that people should do that nonsensical thing, shows the very problems I'm talking about. I've talked about this on the show before, but I feel like it bears repetition. When I talk about applied spirituality, I'm talking about exercising the five faculties, the five powers, and the five strengths. They're in fact the same five things, but depending on how they're used or in what context we're talking about them, which of the (laughs) lists of five we're talking about? They're faith. Now, faith is not what you tend to hear that it is. Faith is not the blind acceptance of things, faith is the trust in things. So, if I were to tell you that you are connected to all others, hopefully I have engendered enough faith in you, for you to go, huh, I wonder if that's true. That's it. You don't have to believe what I said because I said it, and you really shouldn't believe what I say just because I say it. So that's the first kernel of faith. Now, faith leads to effort. Well, if we are actually all interconnected, let's see exactly how we are interconnected. You could devise an experiment. You could look into it yourself and see how many people it takes to put a plate of food in front of you. You could look into the studies that show how crime affects all of us, or how oppression affects all of us, even if we're not a part of the oppressed group. That's effort. You put in some kind of an effort. That effort should be designed to test the idea that you originally had faith in. Once you have applied effort, effort leads to mindfulness. Mindfulness is our ability to be aware of things and to understand them. Mindfulness is, as Thich Han says, a magic that is more powerful than we give it credit for being. And it is. And that's something we will be talking about a lot on this show in future. Mindfulness is not simply understanding or perceiving things. It is being with it. So if I were to, if you were testing our, we are all interconnected, well, how does that affect you? How can you become mindful of it? How is the research and the experiments that you've applied effort into bringing you mindfulness of this? This is one reason why a lot of people say grace before or after meals or both. Because they are being mindful of the interconnectedness that brought that food to them. And it's a sign of gratitude. Mindfulness leads to concentration. Now, concentration is focus. It is our ability to zero in and see what is actually there. So you may find some descriptions of interconnectedness more valid than others. And that's okay, because in your experience, that is where you are in your spiritual path. And I'm not saying that you will necessarily grow out of them, but this is the important thing with all spiritual endeavors, and in fact, all endeavors in life, is that we only ascribe a probabilistic number, if you will, a likelihood that what we know is true. If you're ever 100% true on that scale, you really should give it a test because there is a good chance that you might be wrong or misunderstand something. Everything is probable, probabilistically true. So while there may be a 99% chance that something is true, there's never really a 100% chance that something is true. Okay. All right. And the last is wisdom, wisdom, discernment, however you want to say it. This is when we finally come to understand the thing that we are testing, the thing that was put before us. We gain sometimes a little wisdom, sometimes a lot of wisdom from the experience. And from that, we are now able to go back to our faith and reapply what we have trust in. This is the basic engine of all applied spirituality. If I tell you 10 minutes of mindfulness meditation a day will affect your life for the better. Well, if you think that there may be some chance that I am right, well, that's the faith. You then apply that by actually doing 10 minutes of mindfulness meditation a day. That obviously brings focus, concentration to to the event. It also brings mindfulness because you're practicing mindfulness. And then at the end, you'll have wisdom. You will understand whether or not what I'm saying is true because mindfulness meditation, while working for most people, is not effective for 100% of the population and you need to do something different. Maybe some form of yoga or tai chi to bring you into that same mindful state. Maybe it's a dance, maybe it's painting. There are many ways to enter a mindful state other than just sitting and following the breath. And you need to find what's right for you. And this is how the process works. And that, in a nutshell, is what makes a spirituality applied. You see, the beauty of creation spirituality is, while each of us come from a particular tradition, I have kind of a Cross background in um, Kabbalistic thought and uh, Catholicism, (laughs) because that's kind of where I came from. Um, I've had some friends of mine that used to call me the Hasidic Quaker, (laughs) which I, I find very funny and kind of accurate for my own spirituality and where it comes from. But I've come to the place where I am in all of these beliefs because of my ability to test them. I would share them with you, and I do share them with you on this podcast, and I'm going to be sharing them with you even more as we can go forward. But I would never say that I am 100% correct. Just because my experience aligns with the reality that I am explaining to you doesn't mean that your mileage will not vary. I find doing daily mindfulness meditation extremely important. I also call the archangels every night before I go to bed. Do I have to do that? For me, yes. I find it very important for my mindfulness and for my state of anxiety and for my own spirituality to do those two practices, for example. Will they help you? They might. But I would never prescribe them saying that you have to do them. If you do not call the archangels before you go to bed, terrible things will happen to you. No, I would never say that. And I would never say that nothing bad will ever happen to you if you call the archangels every night before you go to bed. Because that's not my experience. It's sitting in the presence of the Holy Ones that helps to give me a feeling of calm and peace. And it helps me drift off to sleep. And it helps me in a lot of other ways as well. And so I have found value in those practices because I have put them through the ringer. And that's all that any good spirituality should ask. Creation spirituality tells you to not only look at your own tradition, but into the tradition of others and test and see. And maybe, just maybe, you'll find something meaningful to you. A lot of the practices that I have incorporated into my life come from Buddhism. And that's fine. I would not consider myself necessarily a Buddhist because while I do believe in taking refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma and the Sangha, I interpret those words very differently from somebody who is a Buddhist because they are translated in my mind into a Christian context because that is after all my default mode. That is how I am wired. That's how I work. And that's all we're asking. You learn how to apply spirituality so that it works best for you. Because this is very important. Anybody that tells you that they know exactly what you have to do to be saved is a cult leader. Anyone who tells you that they have absolute knowledge is a cult leader. Anyone who tells you that they are 100% right and can never, ever be challenged is a cult leader, and you should not listen to them. Questions are the heart of spirituality. We come together as mystics to enter the great cloud of unknowing together. And as we grope in the darkness, we share the wisdom we glean with each other and hopes that we will understand Great and terrible mystery, even more together than we ever could alone. And that is the heart of creation spirituality. So, as we go forward, the next six episodes are going to be on each of the six principles of creation spirituality, and then we're going to have some fun. I hope you come along for the ride. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like to hear discussed on the show, Down in the show notes, you'll find a link to the voice message system. Keep it short, keep it clean. I would love to hear from you. You can also find links to everything that I do over at wisdomscry.com. I hate doing this one, but it does help out a lot. If you have a dollar you can pass my way in the show notes, you'll find a link for listener support, um, that, that money goes directly to me. I'm not going to lie. It goes to me to pay for my bills and stuff. Once I get to the point where I don't need it to pay basic income, um, I will be talking to you about what charities and other places we can put that money to put it to good use. But you know, it's, it's a terrible reality that we live in that I have to be able to keep the lights on and food on the table and all that other stuff. So Thank you to everyone who does that. If you don't have any money or you don't feel like giving, that is one hundred percent all right. Don't don't ever trust any of those people that are like God will punish you or God will bless you. No, no. I, I you will have my thanks if you do it, and I I'm, I completely understand if you don't. <laughs> everyone else, uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> thank you to everybody who does that. But if you don't want to do that or can't think about sharing what I'm doing. It does help out a lot. So until next time, stay well, stay safe. And as always, let us end with a prayer. May wisdom bless you and keep you and help you to find your path in this world. May you be well, may you be whole, and may you find your way home. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.